Hey, everybody, welcome back in. We continue on. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. Always fun when Zuba Mahente joins the program from ESPN. He's with us right now on the Draft House 50 hotline, Mill Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Zubin, how are you, man? Doing great. It's August 1, and that's uh, a big thing here at ESPN. Obviously, we're in the month for college football, and we're kind of counting it down today. We'll be on College Football Live later today, so it's always good when it hits August. Okay, we'll get to some football here in just a moment. I want to get your reaction, though. Poor Trent's crying the blues. His twins are toast. They're going south in a hurry. Uh, the trade deadline has now come and gone. Is it the Dodgers? Is it Washington? Or is it somebody else who made out like a bandit who has now positioned themselves to be the favorite in the World Series? I want to take nothing away from the Nationals. Um, they've obviously had a great season. They're in a very strange division with an excellent chance of only one team in the division finishing over 500. That would be them. They've never won a playoff series. Um, so I would slow my role on the Nationals, even though I think they have a really good shot because I really like, minus that relief core, which if they can figure it out, I really like them. But I don't know at this point, Jim, I don't know how you can pick against the Dodgers. I just don't know how you can do it considering what they've been able to do. Um, and they were going to add a frontline starter, our Pedro Gomez mentioned to us, before the Clayton Kershaw injury. And that meant that they were going to be aggressive in getting somebody like you, even if Kershaw was healthy. Now, obviously, Kershaw's not healthy when he's back, and presumably because they're going to coast to the division, he'll be back for the playoffs. And then you got maybe Darvish as your two. Alex Wood, who nobody's talking about, has had a spectacular season. Obviously, you get drowned out because of everything happening in L.A. and the Lonzo talk and the Clayton Kershaw talk and the Bellinger talk and the Steve talk. But Wood has been amazing. So I can't, I can't pick anyone other than the Dodgers. I know the Astros are a little shorthanded. They're playing great baseball. But to me, with the, what the Dodgers did with the way that they are playing right now, and the fortification they had with or without Clayton Kershaw. I mean, that's a lot of guts. I think a lot of teams that expected their ace to be back would just say, all right, we'll get him back, we'll get that horse back. But instead, they basically said, it doesn't matter whether Kershaw is here or not, we'll get him back eventually. We still need some help. And this is really the prime example, and I know, Trent, your twins are in a different situation than mm -hmm. the Dodgers. The twins might blush before making a move, even if they were in it, we have, we've talked about a team like the Rays always operating on the margin. A team like the Dodgers and a team like the Yankees, as we saw, um, will just flat out go for it. And they get a lot of criticism for that, no question about it, um, because there is no salary cap and it's sort of the Wild West and everybody just spends. But at the end of the day, it is as a fan, you love the notion that your team will just go for it. If you're a Rockies fan, you haven't made the playoffs since 2009, just go for it. Get Nishek. Get Lucroy. If you're the Dodgers and you've won the division four straight years, go for it. Whether it's an every-year occurrence or let's just make a run, I just love teams that go for it because it really energizes your fan base. Well, and, and this is a little bit different with the Dodgers going out because in the past they've been so enamored with their own guys that they haven't been willing to go out and make the big splash. They'd make some small things and, and do some tweaks but never – at the level that they have with you, Darvish. I think it really puts them at the forefront, already playing incredible baseball. You put that on top of it. This Dodgers team looks absolutely top to bottom the best. The only thing that you can't say 
is come playoff baseball, Zubin. You know it's a completely different game when you get in there. And as we've seen over the last decade plus now, anything can happen come playoff time. No doubt. And even people will tell you there's not many dings on Clayton Kershaw, but he is definitely a different sort of pitcher in October than he is in the regular season. I'm not going to bang him on that. I'm just saying that he is slightly different. He's a little more ornery after starts. When he has a bad start, he doesn't shake it off, and I get it because his regular season domination leads us to believe that that should just continue. But you're right. He's been a little bit of a different pitcher. The reason I think this is different for the Dodgers guys, in my estimation, Trent, is because they're so far and away right now the best team. Like last year, even when they would make some moves and sort of go forward and Dave Roberts is pulling all the right strings and should we do this, should we not do that, I think everybody can reasonably concur, even though obviously it went to (laughs) uh, Game 7 of the World Series, but in that moment, you just sort of felt like, wow, the Cubs are the best team in baseball. They're the best team yeah. in baseball, and the Dodgers were not. And that doesn't mean the Dodgers couldn't become the best team in baseball, but I think the Dodgers were operating a little bit differently last year, knowing that things were going to have to fall their way. You remember, they did put Clayton Kershaw on the mound in Game 5 of the Division Series in a relief role, in a reliever's role, to close out the Nats. So that's the kind of team they were last year, all hands on deck. This year, I don't think it's quite as scattered. This time, to me, they feel like Chicago. They feel like the clear front runners. And when you're in that position versus last year, which is let's get into the playoffs and see what happens to Trent's point, this year they feel like they're in the proverbial pole position. They should be the ones that are striving for the great stuff. And that's why I think they made those moves. I think they realize they haven't been or won the World Series since 1988. You could easily say, I don't think if anybody calls your show today that the Dodgers are the best team in baseball. I think, and that would be a tremendous argument for a fan of any team to make. And because they're in that position versus maybe not being in that position last year, I think this time they're going all out. Zubin Mahente is our guest, ESPN, right on the Draft House 50 hotline. Zubin, uh, one more baseball question for you. It deals with the Cubs. They're on the road. Uh, they begin a series in Arizona tonight. But there was bigger news with Steve Bartman being awarded a World Series ring. I thought his statement after that uh, conversation took place was eloquent and very well stated. Does this finally put this thing to bed? Do Cubs fans, who were just absolutely a-holes to this guy, pretty much almost ruined his life, do they finally get past this stigma of being the a-holes that they were? Yeah, I mean, I think, Jim, it's one of those situations where the only guy that continually looks great in all of this, in the post case, is Bartman. Um, remember, he has lived in Chicago this entire time. Since 2003 happened, he didn't move away. He didn't go to some shelter. He didn't change his name. He and his family have lived in the, I guess they call it the Chicagoland area, since that moment happened. And what I was amazed by, besides the notion that the Cubs did do that, do that for him, I thought Rickett's statement was also pretty eloquent, as was Bartman. But the thing that I really took away was, and I've, I've just been amazed by this, and maybe it's just some restraint, and I think maybe we deserve to give our, all of ourselves a pat on the back considering the way society is these days with social media. But this guy has been, quote-unquote, living in plain sight. He works. He has a regular job. He hasn't left. And I don't see a ton of people tweeting out pictures of him. I don't see people saying, hey, I work next to Steve Bartman. He works in the office next to me. I don't see any of that. They have actually let this guy 
basically live a private life. He's a very private guy that became a public person, and they're allowing him to live a private life. I don't think you're ever going to hear Steve Bartman comment. I don't. I know there's been tons of money put his way. They blew up baseball without all that stuff. I don't think you're going to hear from Bartman ever again. I just think he wants to let this go, and now he can let it go peacefully. But my biggest take of the whole thing for the last 14 years, especially with the way we've become so connected and with Instagram and with Facebook and with Twitter and everything that we have, and the notion that this guy is still in that area, that people have had the restraint to just let him be him. I mean, this is like the polar opposite of like TMZ and like paparazzi in L.A. You see somebody, you snap them, you put them up, you do this, you do that. And I just think in today's society, when that is so rampant and that's such a prevalent thing to do to anybody that's a public name like Steve Bartman, an unwitting public name, that for the most part, those fans that Jim so eloquently described as being less than great people, <laughs> those people for the most part have left him alone. So I think in, in some ways I almost don't expect that from our society considering how crazy we are these days, but for the most part they have let this guy be. And by the way, they let him be even before they won the World Series in 2016. In 2013, 2014, 2015, yeah, it was still out there. But generally speaking, this guy was able to live his life quietly. And I'm guessing that's all this guy wants to do. Zubin, a couple minutes left with you. Want to jump over to some football. ESPN today, I'll release the second part of a two-part series, the top 50 players in college football. One through 25 released today. And number one, I think it'll come as a surprise to a lot of people out there. Derwin James from Florida State guy that can do everything defensively for you, uh, listed as a safety, but he plays cornerback. He plays linebacker. They made him play a little bit at defensive end. For people that maybe remember the name a little bit from last year, uh, tell us about Derwin James and why you guys have him as the number one player in all of college football. He was banged up quite a bit, and I think that's one of the reasons that his name just hasn't been out there as much as other great defensive players like Charles Woodson or Indomitian Sue or even Minka Fitzpatrick for today's player in today's age. You can go back to Sue at Nebraska, Woodson at Michigan. There have been some, I mean, Bosa. There have been some amazing hooker. There have been some amazing college players defensively, Garrett, over the years. But it's one of those things where because he got injured, I don't think you saw so much of his ability. There's some really interesting people on there. You know, Lamar Jackson is not in the top five. My most intriguing was Josh Allen, who is Wyoming's quarterback. Mm-hmm. At number 21, there's a lot of people that think he could be the first overall pick in the 2018 NFL draft, which I think would be quite the story, because what makes that story so interesting, besides the notion people are, oh, it's Wyoming, is the notion that head coach is a guy named Craig Bowl, who actually took Carson Wentz from obscurity in North Dakota State and turned him into the second overall pick in the draft. So I think it'd be really interesting for a guy like Craig Bowl, old Nebraska guy, I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners remember him from his Big 12 days or back when Nebraska was not Big 12, um, that he could actually put a guy like Carson Wentz from Fargo, North Dakota, in the NFL as the number two pick, and maybe a kid from that him, Aramie, Wyoming, of all places, even higher than that. James is a really good pick. Fitzpatrick is a good pick. Darnold is a good pick. Saquon's a good pick. Uh, there's a lot of great players out there. Darius Geis is a good pick. Uh, but Allen is the one that I look at, and I'm just so intrigued by because of the non-Power 5 status, because of the locale, and uh, I do think it's a cool story. Hey, one more on that, Zubin. I'll let Jim finish up with you here. Uh, no Akram Wadley in the top 50. Around here, as you can imagine, maybe some head-scratching from Hawkeye fans. 
Was Akron Wadley even in the mix, do you know? Was there any conversation about him or because he was sharing the role a year ago, maybe too far off the radar? I don't know for sure because I didn't take part in it, but I'd imagine it would be the latter. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine it would be the latter. Um, I also just think teams that are just generally uh, predisposed to not have explosive offenses by design. Iowa's got some explosive players and has had explosive players over the years, but as I'm sure a couple of people have called you over the years to talk about the way their offense works yes, <laughs> or yes. the lack of explosion <laughs> in their offense, I'm sure, I'm sure nobody's called and said that over the years, but it's one of those things where I just think guys like that uh, that just generally play in an offense. I mean, look, I-, I think they have a lot of Tavian Banks-like players, but not a lot of guys just put those stats up, and that's just kind of the way Kirk's done it with Ken, did it with Greg. Whatever the situation would be, we'll see what happens with this boy now, but it's just one of those situations where even if he's a really talented player, even a guy like Brad Banks, his numbers weren't amazing, but he was the Heisman runner-up. I just think sometimes, you know, Kirk's offenses just don't let stars shine statistically and a lot of times when we, hit, we don't have games to evaluate things on, stats are the way to go. And just a lot of guys in Kirk in the Kirk era are not going to jump off the page. Like Dallas Clark might jump off the page. But most guys don't, and I think that probably hurt him a little bit. Not indicative of his talent, of course. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes he doesn't pass the numbers. Test. Zubin, I'll let you run on this. In your estimation, when we get down to the Final Four again in college football, Is the Big 12 Conference, despite the fact instituting a championship game, will they be the conference left out again? It's hard to say. The Big 12 Championship game in years past, as you guys know, from Iowa State, obviously having all those teams run through and be a part of the conference, the Big 12 Championship game has hurt more than it has helped. However, that's because we were in a different era. We are in a BCS era back then where only two teams were really eligible to be uh, trying to play for the title instead of four. So the dynamic is a little bit different, but the Big 12 championship game is one that just upsets are all over the place. Again, different era, different teams, and now we've got twice as many teams that can dream of getting to the championship with the college football playoff. But I think the biggest thing is, what are Oklahoma and Texas going to do? Because I don't think West Virginia is good enough to win the league. I, until Oklahoma State does it, and they've been close, I mean, they've been real, real close, you could argue they're the most complete because they have their quarterback and their coach in Oklahoma, and at this point, Texas can't say that. Both of them have new head coaches, and obviously Oklahoma is a proven quarterback, and Texas looks like they have a young kid in Bouchelle. But I, I don't think it's going to hurt them because I think more than anything, if they can get their situation right, being the only round-robin league, they'll be there on that Saturday in December. They won't have to sweat it out like Texas Christian and Baylor did. But if history is any indication – this game generally tends to hurt the league more than it helps it, only because there have been so many upsets. And obviously, when you've got five power five spots, for, uh, five power five leagues for four spots, the last thing you need is an upset in the last game your conference plays. And generally, even though it's great for the fans, that's what the Big 12 championship game uh, has given us. But I think if you're Bob Bowlesby, I think 2014 really sticks in their craw, and they just sort of wonder what it. And I think in anything in life, whether it's college football or whatever you guys do or whatever your listeners do, I'm always a better believer in let's just put one extra thing out there and take the risk rather than scale back just a little bit short and mitigate our risk. I just think you definitely want to throw it out there and last impressions can really mean something. After all, it's just a bunch of humans that are voting on this thing anyway. And I think most of us like to see something at the end from a crescendo standpoint. So maybe it haunts them. 
History shows it will, but I think it's a game you've got to have. It's not for no other reason, Jim. Everybody else in the Power Five has it, and everybody keeps looking at you funny if you don't got it. So I think they need to have it. I think they need to have it for sure. Always good, Zubin. Thank you, buddy. You have a great day. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Zubin. Zub Mahente, ESPN, on the Draft House 50 Hotline Mills Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. I, I'm still concerned about that, uh, Trent. I really am. And I, I just think that you're going to have four conferences once again uh, produce teams that will probably have a better record than what the Big 12 winner uh, produces. And once again, they will get left out in the cold. Well, so you see the conference champion for the Big 12 having two losses. Yes, okay. I do. All right. Yeah. That's the case. They better yeah. hope there's another conference with the two-loss champion and, and a couple <laughs> of breaks go their way. Well, uh, Jimmy B, we'll take the break here. I'll let you go. You're done early today. How's that sound? I like it, pal. I like it when you help me out there. That's great. Now I can go home and take a snooze. Absolutely. Well, nap, 7-7, seven and seven, maybe some golf. We know how you play the game, Jimmy B. That is very are. true, partner. Very true. Very well, true. You got it. I'll come back on the other side. I got Wolfgang to put a cap on things as we roll through here on a Tuesday. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. We're back in a moment. Welcome back, Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. Time for Wolfgang as he stops by on his Tuesday spot. Normally joins us here uh, at this time each and every Tuesday, also Fridays. And Wolfgang, as we go out to the Draft House 50 hotline, my man, yesterday, some scheduling news for Iowa basketball. Uh, the home and homes were announced for the Big Ten, along with the teams that they would play only at home, only away. And I don't know if you could draw up a much better Big Ten slate for the Hawkeyes this year. About time, right? Right. You're, you're exactly right. Yes, yes. No, is this, is this just Hawkeye fan feeling like he's gotten screwed over the past number of years, or or do you, is this a legitimate complaint that I can throw out there that you will take and understand what I'm talking about? I think we've gotten screwed. Um, I'm absolutely pumped by the schedule, and then you see what's his name, the Purdue kid. ESPN had a, a bracketology thing come out. This guy is not a stupid guy. Can you remember? Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, well, ESPN. I can guy find is, it here real quick. L- Lenardi is your guy that you're looking for at ESPN. The Purdue well, guy is Jerry Palmer at CBS. Oh, you're right. It does say CBS. Yes. Okay. So, and this guy is not a stupid guy. Okay. This guy knows his stuff. I'm sure you disagree with him on a number of things, but he knows his stuff. He's pulled a paycheck from the Big Ten Network. Um, you know, he's been around a long time. He doesn't even have Iowa in the frickin' NCAA tournament. Yeah. Okay, and I don't know. I, this, I actually am glad this happened because, you know, we're, we're pumped. This guy watches Big Ten. He's a Purdue fan. Maybe it's the hatred in this big-time rivalry Iowa and, and Purdue have. <laughs> you know, they tried to manufacture that. But anyway, I don't know what it is. Now I'm mad. Now I hate Purdue. So, so whatever, you know, the Big Ten uh, network did, that. This makes it work. But anyway, too early for bracketology. Don't be ridiculous and enjoy end-of-July madness. So he does not have Iowa even making it. And I believe he has seven teams in the Big Ten making it. Iowa, not one of those. Now, did the schedule just come out yesterday, uh, Trent? Uh, yes, yeah, the schedule just came out yesterday. So, but But schedule aside, and this goes for Joe Lenardi, this goes for Jerry Palm, 
I'm baffled by this. I, I really am. And yeah, the Big Ten already's got seven. Michigan State is the clear cut number one yep. team in the Big Ten this year. This is not regular season title good. This team is national championship good. And as good as team as they've had, I think even back two years ago, as good as that team was before they got knocked off by Middle Tennessee State, I think this is Ezzo's best shot at a title probably in six, eight years. I, that's how good I think this Spartan team now, is. Now, I know you're an odds guy. Where, where are you putting Michigan State in terms of the odds? Yet, how many teams would you put in front of them to win the national championship? Oh, I... I mean, we're early here, so I'm we totally are. putting you on the spot. Totally putting you on the spot. But you love Michigan State. In you ter- love Michigan State is what you're saying. In terms of talent, I think the most talented team in college basketball this year is going to be college talent. Not, not NBA, but for a collection of college players is Arizona. I think that they have top to bottom, really? a loaded team, ton of experience on top of it. I think they're my number one team coming into the year. It's Arizona. Number two, though, is Michigan State. That's how good I think the Spartans are. And people are talking about Kansas. I, I just struggle to believe Kansas is going to be good. We get that. They're, they're going to be incredibly good. Mm-hmm. 14 in a row probably this year, right? Yeah, Isn't that right? You lose Frank Mason. You lose Josh Jackson. I know they've done it before. <laughs> but I know oh, they, got, ridiculous. they got Mikhail Luke coming back. They have Devontae Graham. Um, Malik Newman, the kid that was a McDonald's All-American, went to Mississippi State. He's going to be back uh, after he transferred a year ago. They're going to be talented. I think Michigan State's better than them. Yeah, people are talking about Louisville without Donovan Jackson, uh, Mitchell. Excuse me. I don't think they're going to be at that kind of spot. Wichita, I, I could argue maybe Wichita. I put in front of them too. I think I, they're certainly in my top five. Put in front of who? Season. Put in front of who? Michigan State. But really, come on now, Trent. Then you don't really believe in Michigan State. As I look at it right now, my top five. Here, here it is. August first, TC's top five. You ready for it? <laughs> We're sick. We are sick. Arizona one. Michigan State, two. Wichita State, three. You're sick. You're, you've <laughs> lost your mind. <laughs> I have lost my mind. Number four, I'll go Kentucky. I'll go with Kentucky. And then five, I'm going to go with Duke. So there's my top five right now on August 1st because I have issues. But back, back to what we're talking about here and mm-hmm. the Big Ten and the slate. Michigan State, yeah. then a gap. Then I believe there is Minnesota. Northwestern, maybe even a gap after that. And then the next group is where I put Iowa, because I think Minnesota's going to be really good. Now, wait a second. You're throwing a gap in there between Northwestern and Iowa. Yes. Yes, I am. Why? Why? I don't understand that. Experience. Again, I'm not asking for you to break it down hardcore. Again, we're in the summer. Yeah. I don't, there's not a big, I mean, first of all, by the way, we don't have, let's see, do we have to go to their place or no? We don't. We miss their place. And they're actually playing at a uh, at a different place while they get uh, renovations done done at their arena. Yeah. But it, it's real weird their place, you know, going there because it's like sleepy. You wouldn't think that that would be intimidating, but it, for some reason, when you go to Northwestern, it's like you it just want to fall asleep. asleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I don't think there's any gap between Northwestern and Iowa. I don't. And if you want, you want to know why? Because I think the defense is going to improve that much with Iowa with now a more experienced team Peter Jock we all loved him right Mm -hmm. we all loved him okay not exactly a defensive uh stellar uh somebody that you wanted to uh take the the team's best player love Peter Jock we'll never say anything bad about him I guess I just did but (laughs) I I will say that I, I I think Iowa and Northwestern are even and if we get to the point where we're looking up at Northwestern what 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 has happened 
it's not what happened. It's that Northwestern finally has a basketball program. It, this is not any disrespect. Think of what they did last year, finally getting in, breaking through. And that was a big question, if they were going to be able to do that. Breaking through, in my mind, really led to this team uh, having, I don't know, just having that stigma that was attached to them, getting through mm-hmm. that. I think it's going to take this program, and they're going to be able to take another step this year. I really like them. Of course, the backcourt is ridiculously good, what they can do back there with, yeah. with McIntosh. McIntosh is an absolute stud. So fun. Yeah, he, he's great to watch. You know, the pardon kid, I really liked him inside. He was uh, undersized, I guess, a bit, you know, a 6'8 center in there. I thought he played really well last year as a freshman. I liked his game. They got him going. Some guys coming back from injury. Vic Law, I just think this team's going to be really good. But you bring up a good point, and something that I kind of forgot about or hadn't thought of when I first mentioned it is they're not going to be playing at home. They're going to be playing over at DePaul's old arena. They're going to be playing over there by the the airport, and it's not going to be a great home court advantage. Not just because it's not close to campus, but... Most importantly, your fan base, the students, how many people are going to show up. They don't get a ton in general, but now you, you expound it and you got to have, you got to take the L train to get over there. Who's going to do that in January and February? Exactly. You know, these are also Northwestern kids. They actually have studies to do. You know, all these things. You do bring up a good point. All right, I'll put Minnesota two, then I'll put a gap, and I'll put Northwestern, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, Wisconsin. That's the next group that I'd put together. And I. I like Iowa more than a lot of those guys. I, I like Okay, that. so yeah. Yeah, so Trent, he's got seven Big Ten teams, okay? Michigan State one, Purdue two, Minnesota three, Wisconsin four, Northwestern five, Michigan six, Maryland seven. Seven teams making the tournament, and Iowa ain't a part of it, okay? I did a podcast. I'm sorry. I follow Iowa basketball big time, so I follow Big Ten basketball big time. If Iowa does not make the freaking tournament, I will be effing shocked. Yes. I will be too. I will be too. Especially now with the now especially now with the schedule. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. You yes. add that schedule into it. Now we finally Iowa finally has a good Big Ten schedule. Um so we'll see what happens. I, I just think that this guy I don't know. Again, it's in it's freaking in just August 1 or July 31st or whatever he put this out. I get it. I understand. Not everybody can know everything about everybody. I put this guy's opinion ahead of most because he's a Big Ten guy. Wow, if he doesn't believe in Iowa, that's a little scary because he is a Big Ten guy and has gotten a check from the Big Ten Network. Am I wrong? No, you're exactly right. You're, you're exactly right. But now this is the two most known bracketologists, Joe Lenardi. And now Jerry Palm have come out with their brackets for the summer. Okay, I have not heard. I haven't heard Lenardi, so I'm looking very much forward to what you're saying here. Well, and he doesn't have Iowa in either. Now, this was back, uh, I want to say it was about a month ago, maybe even two months ago now. Time flies by. But regardless, he doesn't have Iowa. Are we too close to this? Do, do we believe more in this team than maybe we should right now? I, I, I think it's a question that we have to ask Wolfgang. This is excited for an Iowa basketball team as I've been in a long time. And the next two years, I think, are setting up to be uh, one of the better two-year stretches we've seen in Iowa hoops in decades. That's how good I believe this team has a chance to be. But uh, looking around nationally, nobody's even putting them as a tournament team. I I thought maybe not a top 25 team, but right on the fringe there, they're not even close to that. 
You know, if, if you're going to break it down, they're they're saying they're not even a top forty team. If you don't think they're going to be a team that gets in the NCAA tournament, yeah, they don't even have Iowa as the last four out. So not only are we not as Iowa not making the tournament, they're not one of the last four out or missing the tournament. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't think it's a quinky dink. Okay, you know your basketball. John Miller knows his basketball. I know my basketball. Okay, I do. So if, if people want to just poo poo that, that's fine. Okay, we may be homers. You're not a homer. Okay, mm-hmm. you are not a homer when it comes to Iowa. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. at some point, I you know I don't th- I think we're I think these guys are missing out on something big time. And if I could go to Vegas, Trans Condon, mm-hmm. okay, if I could go to Vegas and bet, will Iowa make the NCAA tournament or not? Let me tell you, I'm putting down tons of money. Can you do that? How do you do that? You're you're the better here. I don't I don't I haven't done it for freaking ten plus years. I haven't done it. Can I bet for Iowa to make the NCAA tournament right now? I'm not picking sweet, you know, you know, elite eight or anything like that. You're telling me I was not gonna make the freaking tournament? You know what? You're wrong, national guys. I'm right there with you. I, I... I struggle short of there is one thing that could derail this, and it is injury related, but it would be Jordan Bohannon getting hurt—a significant injury that keeps him out for a long stretch. That's but then your guy, then your guy Christian Williams would get his moment. <laughs> I'm not excited about that. I am not excited. <laughs> I told you, I don't believe. I don't believe that he is a point guard. I think he can do things on the defensive end for him. I don't believe though that he is a point guard. That's the difference. That's well, then we bring McCaffrey off the baseball team. Well, this is dad. And, and to be honest, <laughs> if that would happen, let, let's say something unfortunate happens. Let's not even put a label on what that would be. Something unfortunate happens. But you're right. Is Bohan the most valuable? Oh, yeah. You know, you know Rob, you've seen Rob Howe doing that with football, right? No. The no most, uh-huh. How does he been saying that with football? He's been like uh, the most. Um, important guys on the team. If they, if we lose them, oh geez, or something like that. I can't remember how he how he phrased it. Bo Hannon is that guy, literally. And can you believe you might say this? Name another player on the team, Trent Condon. Yeah, that would hurt Iowa more than losing him. There is a one. Name one. There, there is a one. And, you know, I've told you that I believe the difference between this team just being good, getting to the tournament, that's it. But making this next step, I think the most important guy of taking a step forward is Isaiah Moss. This is a different conversation, though. This is the most mm-hmm. important piece is Jordan Bohannon because there isn't depth in the backcourt. There isn't depth, certainly, at the point guard position. Christian Williams, Brady Ellingson, uh, Connor McCaffrey coming off of playing baseball, whatever it may be, if that injury would happen. There's no doubt. Because up front, a, a guy goes down, whoever, uh, bring up whatever forward you want. Oh, my God. Out yeah. of that center power what forward. Of them. Luka Garza gets hurt. Jack Dungey gets hurt. Ahmad Wagner oh gets gosh. hurt. Tyler Cook gets hurt, who's the most probably NBA-type guy on this roster. They'll be able to survive that. They can't survive an injury to Bohannon. They can't. So he is – What are we? how are we phrasing that? The most – Important? Nah, not most important. Um, like you say, like you phrased it, there is no way that guy can get hurt and will make the NCAA tournament. Am I wrong? No, no, no. You're, you're. That is. So now you, now you've got me scared. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So now you've got me a little bit scared because if he gets hurt, yeah. if he pulls a hammy uh-huh. or something like that, because we already, you and I already believe we're a guard or two short, mm-hmm. which in college basketball, so here's where we talk ourselves to the national media. We lost Jock, and we still do not have enough guards that I believe can be playmakers. You believe uh, Moss can do it. Um, I think I believe that. I'm not 100% sure. There was games where he looked unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then other other games where, he whoa. Yeah. <laughs> he gets but he's going to be a junior. Be it. Yeah. yeah. But he's going to be a junior. He's going to get more minutes. And I'm a big minutes guy. I think you're just getting in the flow of the game. And so I agree with you on Bohannon and – Two years ago, if I had told you oh. the most important player mm-hmm. on the Iowa Hawkeye basketball team, Trent Condon, yes, is Jordan Bohannon. Go. I, I would have said Iowa basketball's in big, big trouble if that's the case. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. Uh, speaking of Moss, I, I was just kind of going through his game log from last year. Early on, hardly played at all. You know, game one of the season, he played four minutes. Against Seton Hall in the third game, he played two minutes. Against Memphis, he played two minutes. But after the injury to Tyler Cook, when they shifted some things around, they put Cordell Pemsel in the starting lineup, and Moss also moved in the starting lineup at that point. Pretty consistent, playing double-digit minutes, but there are a few games where it dropped off. You know, the game against Omaha, he only played 12. You go into Big Ten play. Played 37 minutes in that game. The uh, double overtime lost in Nebraska on the road last year. It was really good. Had 17 points. Went down from that 18 minutes, 16, 16, 15. Down to six on that road loss at Illinois. Uh, the, the game against Indiana at home. Only played five minutes of the game. Hardly played at all against Maryland right after that. So it, it was inconsistent. They can't afford inconsistency. Uh, there's going to be games he doesn't play well. That, that happens but they can't afford him to have a six-minute game where he's just mentally out of it and Fran doesn't feel comfortable putting in the game. They can't have that with Isaiah Moss. But is he, our, is he Iowa's only guy that can break you down off the dribble? I think Bohannon can. He just has to be stronger finishing, you know, either figuring out that pull-up game. I know he was working on the floater, they said, a lot during the summer. That was something that you know he put a lot of work Love into. It. Love it. You know, yes. th- those are the kind of things that were a part of it. So... He can break people off the dribble, but in terms of ability to also finish on top of it, that's Moss. And that's another thing. You know, I was talking to my buddy that officiates uh, over in the primetime league, and he was telling me he's just so good at getting to the rim. And, and sometimes Who's that? Who's that? Moss. But he just yes, settles. Yes, I agree. He settles. I agree. He settles for the jumper. He settles almost for the easy way up. Oh, and, gotcha. Yeah, and, and he can't have that because... He shot it pretty well last year. What, what did he end up being? About 35%? 34. 34? Yeah, 34, 35, 36. Yeah, something like that. 35, 35.8%. Even if he keeps – because I don't think he was quite that good of a shooter. I didn't either. Than, than what the numbers showed they were last year. But if he can stay right in that range, you know, 33 to 38%, good, solid, you have to respect it. But his game is off the dribble, off the bounce – I think you're talking about an explosion then in his redshirt sophomore year for Isaiah Moss, and that's exciting. That's the tournament team, Wolfgang, though Jerry no, Palm that, doesn't believe it. Yes, Jerry Palm, I believe it, all right? And I will say with, with Bohannon, um, what makes him so great is because they are going to have to come out. We laugh when he now misses a shot, right, yeah. Bohannon? Mm-hmm. We sit there and go, what? Okay, obviously the ball had Vaseline on it or something. So they have to come out. So that actually does make him a good, you know, driver and disher. And if he's 
actually has a floater because that's not an easy shot. I know you play basketball. It's not an easy shot, Mm -hmm. but the guys that do it are, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. So we're, we're going to see that. Have you seen that or heard anything about that in the primetime league? Has he done the floater much? Yeah. He, he, it was something that he was working at in games. And he didn't shoot a ton. You know, he was more of a facilitator for a team for most of the season. He didn't have one of those ridiculous games where he, we jacked up 25, 30 shots. That, that wasn't the way that he played. But one of the things that I heard, especially early on that he was really working on, was trying to perfect that floater and get that be a part of his game. Because he's never – you look at him physically – He's never going to be a big guy. He's not going to be thick. He's certainly not going to be Andre Woolridge out there looking like he's benching 400 pounds. That's, that's not the body type that he is. But he does have to get stronger, even though with those limitations, if he can develop that instead of going all the way, stopping six, eight feet away, and then have that little runner, that little floater in there, I think it adds another dimension to his game and makes it certainly look very good. But Wolfgang, we're getting off topic here. We're getting off absolutely, that. Let's, absolutely, absolutely. As you, we always you throw do. me in the right direction, please. So we got the home and homes. Iowa will play. Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Penn State, Ohio State, home and away. You win all those home games. I don't think they're losing to any of those teams at home. You agree? No. I mean, I'm not guaranteeing anything of that. But, yeah. But you okay, feel good. I would, you feel good yeah, about feel all good those about at that. home. I feel good about that. Absolutely. And you go... Two and three on the road. Beat Penn State. Beat Ohio yes. State. Yes. Lose the others. Maybe if you lose one of those, you pull an upset. You beat Indiana over there. I don't know how good they're going to be this year. Whatever it is. So that's seven and three. The home games. Only time they play these teams will be in Carver-Hawkeye this year. Michigan State, Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin. All NCAA tournament teams. Would you sign up for a two and two right now? Yeah, they're at home. That's giving you two home losses. Would you sign up for two and two? Let me tell you, Trent, you don't want to cover you don't want to come to Carver Hawkeye Arena. Get out of here. Get out of here. You don't want to come here. Two and two. That puts I had, you I had, at nine. I had the marketing guy over at Iowa follow me. Uh huh. And I, I totally want to talk to him. I'm just like, dude, do I got somebody to do this for you. Nine and five. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just like, please make that a home court advantage. Do something. Somebody have the B-A-L-L-Z to make that happen. It's not an intimidating place to go, Trent. It's not. And I don't know if it's so What do you want it. me to say? It's basically a n- neutral. And those, hey, all you old people, uh, August 4th, you got to uh, renew your tickets, so make sure you get those. <laughs> Gee, many Christmas. Yeah, I'm a jerk. I am. Uh, I apologize. Right. All right. No, I am. I'm, those people donate a lot of money to the university. Yeah. Um, help help the program, help the weight room, help us succeed. But our basketball court, home court advantage is an absolute joke. And mm-hmm. if nobody wants to address it over there, then you can continue to have a sucky. And guess what? Home court advantage matters, especially when you like are at Duke or at Michigan State mm-hmm. or at Wisconsin, and the people are going crazy. You have to have that. I don't understand why everybody can do it but Iowa. And thank you for the person that followed me over at marketing at Iowa. Thank you, sir. I followed you back. Okay? But figure it out over there. Now the you DMs be the guy with the beat. You, you got the uh, direct messaging open now. Now you can start sending them stuff. Hell yeah. It's wide open. That's Where's happening. That's Thank happening. God. And we'll never get anybody on I'm from Iowa again ever. Right. <laughs> 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 Wrapping up the Big Ten schedule. I got them at 9-5 and five right now. 
away games. Teams they'll only play on the road. Illinois, Maryland, Nebraska, Rutgers. They're beating Nebraska and Rutgers. They're they're beating those two teams. Those two teams are going to be awful. Rutgers will be a bit better. They're still going to be bad. You're winning those two. If they beat Illinois, that gets them three and one in those true away games. Three and one that puts them at twelve and six. Wolfgang, twelve and six without any you know funkiness there. That that's including two home losses out of that group that I mentioned: Michigan State, Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin. That's twelve and six. Great, right? You're feeling great. This yes, team, I'm loving this. Trend. A chance to maybe even be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament because you know, the record's going to be good. All these things, but yesterday morning, Wolfgang. Up on HawkeyeSports.com, they had the non-conference schedule up there. All right? They had it up there. It was then taken down. So I don't know if there's some T's there looking across and I's there looking to dot, but it was taken off. But this is what it was when it was out yesterday morning. You ready? Yeah, Iowa State. Let's see. Okay, go. Yeah, please go. Starts off your first three games, all in Carver. Chicago State, Alabama State. Grambling State. Mm-hmm. So we go to the Cayman Islands Classic. Wait, Grambling or Grambling State? That makes a big difference. It's the same thing, yeah. It's, it's now okay, referred to okay. as, yeah, yeah. Eddie Robinson back in the day, yeah, yeah that program. <laughs> they go to the Cayman Islands. They play Louisiana Lafayette. Win that. They play Wyoming or South Dakota State. Probably be South, Sodak State. They'll be pretty good. And then, more than likely, it'll be Cincinnati in the championship game. Cincinnati's good. Cincinnati's going to be really good. All right, there's a good game. After that. On the road for the Big Ten ACC Challenge at Virginia Tech. On the road for Iowa State. Back home, Southern, who used to play Grambling. Used to play Grambling in the uh, Bayou Classic way back in the day that we used to watch growing up. Drake in the Big Four Classic. Home for Southern Utah. The neutral site game against Colorado up in Sioux Falls. And the finale of the non-conference schedule, Northern Illinois. Your home slate in the non-conference. Chicago State, Alabama State, Grambling State, Southern, Southern Utah, Northern Illinois. You know what they all have in common, Wolfgang? They suck. They're awful. The best of the group is Northern Illinois. And that's Illinois. not your opinion. That's, no, I mean, no. that's analytics. That's yes. everything. So you're not just being a jerk here. That's analytics because you are the czar of the schedule. Oh, there's no doubt. And I left it in my car. I had the uh, numbers, unfortunately, so I can't find them right now. All, Don't worry about it. F- five of these teams had RPIs last year of 300-plus. The best of the group okay. was Northern Illinois, who was at like 246, something like that last year. See, now you're, you're peeing me off. I'm, I've, I've gone Trent Condon. I've, I'm like become a groupie of Trent Condon. Trent, <laughs> you need to get a job over there. We don't need in the 300, okay? What's wrong with the 150? Nothing. The one, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just can't be a horrible team because you're going to beat the team in the 300 and you're also going to beat the team in the 180, right? Yes. That's why a little bit of this analytic stuff pisses me off because we're going to beat either team. Yes. You know what I mean? The 180 team or the 310 team. We're going to beat them both. But uh, that's what they look at. And the analytics, I love it. You know it, but that's. That's some BS right there. That's some BS because we beat both teams. So somebody over there at Iowa best be figuring it out. Figure they it out. have to figure it out now, Trent, because if they don't, they're not going to make the tournament. And 
we, you, me, John Miller, the guys that are close to the Iowa basketball program and know stuff, believe we're going to make the tournament? The national guys don't. So if the national guys don't and we do not play a good schedule, we's in trouble. Is this going to be happen again where we are good enough to be in the NCAA tournament because, and our schedule F's us? Iowa last year was 19-15, and 15, an RPI of 83, a non-conference strength of schedule of one uh, of 129. That was their strength of schedule last year in the non-conference. It's going to be worse this year. It's going to be even lower than it was a year ago, even with the good games in there. Even if Iowa State proves to be a bubble-type team. Even if Virginia Tech is a top-20 team. Even if Colorado is an NCAA tournament team. Because so you, you're, you, you are going, like, nice on it. You're, you're saying some of those teams that, you know, could be, well, we don't know how good they're going to be. You're giving them the credit of being good, and we're still going to be big-time bad in terms of strength of schedule. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt in a big, big way. Last year, they played Seton Hall, top-50 team. Virginia, top 20 team. Notre Dame finished up at 22. Iowa State at 21. That's who they played in the non-conference. Best case scenario, Cincinnati's a top 10 team even. We'll say they're really good. Even with that, what's Iowa State? Top 50 you're hoping? I have no idea. I you talked know, to Bloom and I was yeah. like, would you write an article on all these grad transfers and everything? Because yeah. nobody has any idea what Iowa State's going to be. Well, even I Iowa State yeah. fans. They don't. No, they don't. But let's just say they're top 50. They're a bubble-like team. Even with that, Wolfgang, it's a scary proposition. And even at 12-6 and six in the Big Ten, let's say they finally figure out a way to oh win a game in the Big pathetic. Ten tournament. They're going to be stuck in the same old 7-10 to 10 seed range, sitting there, win your first game, and then get blitzed to the next round by whoever. Villanova, Gonzaga's years past, somebody like that, Kentucky, Duke, you're going to get blitzed by them in the second round. That's what you have. Because, not that the team isn't good enough to be a Sweet 16 team, because of this awful non-conference strength uh, scheduling once again this year. It drives me up a freaking wall. Yeah, you got me pissed off now, too. So I don't even know what to say now. I don't even know whether to go at Jerry Palm or not. Now that I look at this, yeah, I have no idea what to do. It's it's pathetic. Get it. Figure it out. It's your job. It's your freaking job. Whose job is it over there to figure this out? I'm just a fan. Yours, you know, you got your own radio show and a fan as well. Figure it out. You can't play 300s if you got to pay a little more money. Guess what? You just had a what? Two point six billion dollar TV contract. Figure it out yes. and get the one fifties instead of the three tens. Is it that difficult? It shouldn't be, but apparently it is. I'm sure there are things that we don't know that we don't understand. I know, I know there is. Yes, you're absolutely right. But so let me take a deep breath. But you're right. You're I, absolutely right. I don't right. understand why you spend the money, you spend the $75,000, $100,000 to bring in these awful SWAC teams, these awful MEAC teams year after year, when you could spend the same amount, bring in North Dakota State. North Dakota State, pretty good. But you're still bringing them in for a bye game. Have them come in from the Summit League. Take a look at the Horizon League and bring in a team like Oakland, who's come here in the past. Good, solid mm-hmm. program. They're going to be good. Oakland, Michigan, right? Oakland, yeah, Michigan. Yeah, about, yeah. Right? yeah. Yep. You know, UW, Green Bay, a, a solid program throughout the years. You know, Always decent. Always in the top at least 200 of the RPI. The Who does Fran have connections with? I know we had Notre Dame and other teams. There has to be teams that he has connections with that we can get and pay them well, pay them nicely, mm-hmm. and bring them in, and it doesn't hurt this bleep and the bleep 
analytics stuff, which I love. But some of this stuff, they have to get over there. And if they don't start getting it, oh, boy. All right, it's time for me to shut up. (laughs) Well, it is because we are out of time. We will have more time on Friday to expound on this, talk some football, and much more. How's that sound, Wolfgang? Yeah, I've got some football I want to talk, definitely. So thanks, Trent. Appreciate it, buddy. And I'm going to go uh, jump off the roof. Don't do that. Don't do that. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Thanks, man. See you. Bye-bye. That's Wolfgang Hawkeye on Twitter, where you can find him. Some good basketball talk with him. That'll do it for today's show. We are out of time. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Jimmy B back in the fold starting at noon right here on the Big Talker 1700 KBGG.